0: Talk Sheenie.
1: Recorded live.
0: Scuba Obsessed is a weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed episode 69 was recorded live Thursday, June 2nd, 2011. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. This is episode 69, Ditch Work and Scuba Dive Day. Some of the articles that we'll have in the news. We have uh, a tragic story about dolphins. We have some quick updates on some previous stories. We also have dive centers for sale. Scuba Hearing, it's down there just to get us started. I'd like to welcome my guests this week, but uh, all of them kind of bailed on me. So in this case, uh, we'll just go ahead and record solo tonight. Uh, Jim is still busy with work. I think he's got several more weeks yet before we see him back in the show, but I give him guilt all the time. Uh, We did do some diving last week. We will talk about what we did this last weekend. Uh, Mac is AOL, and Claire seems to be busy. With that, we're going to head right on into the news. Again, this first story is about dolphins. Uh, Craig down in Australia sent this one to us. Uh, He also happens to be in the chat room tonight, so thanks for sending this. And it's a tragic story. Rare, do- excuse me, rare dolphins found tied to a concrete slab. Authorities are disgusted by the discovery of two rare dolphins found dead, tied to mangroves and weighted down by a slab of concrete in North Queensland. Uh, local recreational fishermen found the rare snub-nosed dolphins near the mouth of Two Miles Creek, north of Townsville. The authorities say the dolphins were hand-tied to mangroves and that they are appealing for leads to find those responsible. If you happen to be listening from down there, and you know any information about it, please let somebody know. Uh, You can always take a look in our show notes. We'll have show notes linking back to these articles. Um, They're saying certainly somebody's been involved of that because of the nature of it. In some cases, when you find dolphins, there's possibility of disease or starvation or whatever. Uh, He says it could be related to illegal fishing that may have tried to conceal the accidental killing of these dolphins. The most likely explanation that they've been caught in a fishing net. There's no evidence propeller strikes or anything of that kind uh, generally related to a boat. Uh, Nearly 12 months ago, commercial fishermen spotted four uh, of these tied up in a similar way in Bowling Green Bay off the coast of Townsville. Uh, He would like to see the perpetrators of this latest case brought to justice so it doesn't happen again. So, uh, you know, just just goes to highlight uh, what some people will will do. This next article is scuba divers avoid ban. This is a follow-up of last week. Uh, Not much new in the... In the news department here, it's Deputy Mayor Dan Davidson's bid to ban scuba diving from Big Bay Point's government dock in the summer was easily defeated by the council. Instead, the council placed restriction on divers by forcing them to buy permits. And and we had that last week in the news, but uh, Mac had reported that he thought there was going to be a little bit of a limitation where you couldn't dive during the summer. Right here, it's making it sound like you can dive. So you you just have to by the permits. If you want some more details, you can go ahead and listen to last week's. And we also talked about signs. Uh, this article this week says the council uh, heard from underwater council president uh, Raymond Krub before the uh, deb- debated the issue. Krub agreed to spend $500 to place safety signs and dock to increase public awareness about scuba diving. Uh, Krub also asked the council simply control the park in there instead of attempting to police the sport. Scuba diving is like any other outdoor activity. You control vehicular traffic. You automatically control diving. And I could tell you there's many spots I won't dive if I cannot park nearby. I don't, and you know, there's there's a limit to how far you will haul gear, and that's for certain. The next article is Plane Makes Planned Plunge in Athens. This is also an update from last week. Uh, they had, uh, from those to tell, the Beecher Hawk 125-600 uh, stretched 60 feet with nearly a 50-foot wingspan. It sat on the banks of the Athens Scuba Park waiting for takeoff. Calvin Witcher and his wife Sharon purchased a plane to add to their growing dive collection. The couple's been collecting scuba records for the past 20 years. The Beechcraft is the second plane to be submerged in the pond. We have all three sailboats, four cabin cruisers, 16 speedboats, nine motorcycles, and in a 210-foot cave system and about eight fish. (laughs) Uh, Mac just came on, so what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and bring him into the show. <clears throat> hey there, Mac. Howdy, howdy. How are you
1: doing tonight? Not too bad. You online tonight?
0: <laughs> we're online right now. Pulled
1: you <laughs> right on in. Uh, Sounds like a plan to me. Cause that's, I just got back in a little while. Had to get a grass cut. Majora's done first. <laughs>
0: got to work before you can talk.
1: Yep. I did have time to update the the mud site, though. while well, we were mowing the lawn today.
0: Ah, uh, okay.
1: All right, where are you at? Uh, we're on the plane uh,
0: makes plunge in Athens.
1: Okay, that's a continuation from last week?
0: Yep. Yeah, the, 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 the first article was the one on dolphins. The second one was on the ban. If you want to go and talk about that, we had a little, just a tiny bit more information.
1: Well, I saw what you had put down on that. I had uh, reviewed that. It looks more logical than wholesale saying you can't do it. But still, you know, that's a couple of bucks there.
0: Yeah, that, that, is, that is quite a bit of money. It sounds like they had somebody from this uh, Raymond Crubb. was from the underwater council there, and they agreed to spend $500 to place safety signs in the docks to increase public awareness about scuba diving. So it sounds almost similar to what the mud club's done with the dive flags.
1: Yep, which reminds me, I do have a few. So if anybody in the mud club's out there needs one laminated for posting at the public accesses and at the uh, launch places, let me know. We'll make sure you get one.
0: And, and those are handy. I don't know if anybody pays attention to them, but at least we're we're making an attempt to get the message out.
1: Well, actually, I think people actually do. There is some good information on those boards. I think the people who don't pay attention are the ones who get there all the time and they they take it for granted nothing's changed. But the people who just come there first, you know, first time in the year, the summer, or out of towners, I think they do check it. At least I hope they do.
0: Yeah.
1: Now is is that a file you have that you print out? Uh. I don't remember where I've got it. All I know is I still have some copies made. Um, I went ahead and laminated them, so I've still got a few that we can post up. Uh, The last time we made a batch is when we did the ecology dive. Mm -hmm. So the point of going around to all the public accesses, making sure they were current a couple of days before it. So when people saw the dive flags, they didn't think they were turning pylons for their skis.
0: Yes. What we should do is we should uh, get get that made into a file. We can put it into a PDF and post it up there on the club website and maybe even scuba obsessed and anybody who wants to print it out and do their own campaign in their local dive spots. We can get the message out of what a Uh, dive flag means.
1: Right. We can also publish the Michigan laws for that. And uh, actually there is a, a standard size. I won't get into it now, but we did notice that a lot of the dive flags people are using, at least in Michigan are not the legal size. If you go by the actual specifications in the Michigan book. I think that's isn't it like eighteen inches wide i I'd have to refresh mine again. <laughs> I measured the one I had and it was not and I had just bought it, and it was not to the exact standard, slightly smaller
0: right uh, I agree that's that's kind of what I've noticed, but they they are bigger than they actually appear they they look tiny sometimes so
1: well, I intend to also make a longer staff for mine because when you got chop out there. And I I don't mean just a (laughs) Mm pawpaw. I have too much stuff out there. But on the big lake, if you're out there in this little, uh, like today, you might want a little more visibility. Anybody out there who's not taking an easy item is to take some CD disc, and if you just cut them in half and you put them together, so it's like a little, well, two of them together, and hang it from a piece of fishing line off your little ring on your pole, makes a really nice uh, reflector. It catches the sun, and that flickering in the breeze out there, Brings attention to your die flag, too.
0: Ah, that's a good idea. I like my die flag. I've got that little uh, fiberglass whip that I made from a marker for a driveway marker. And I think that turns out pretty good. That gets it up in the air, a little taller than a lot of the die flags.
1: Absolutely. Uh, DYI or D. what is it? Uh, it Do-it-yourself. Yeah. I love those columns. And actually, I think that's where you got yours from, wasn't it? The idea from that is a DIY.
0: I can't remember it's been so long now. That was, gosh, it's almost a year and a half ago when I made that flag. I, I think mine was was more out of extreme cheapness. <laughs> Rich, plug your ears.
1: <laughs> Thrifty. Thriftiness. Thrifty. Thrifty. It's the scotch, is the scotch in Yeah, yeah I, 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 don't mean, I don't mean the liquid either. But, well, <laughs> wait it could be that
0: too. It could be. Yeah, I just, I just uh, it was one of those times where I had more stuff laying around the house and I didn't have the, $21 for a pre-made die flag set, so uh, I came up with it. And and it's actually survived quite well. I've, I've had to, I learned quite a bit, and uh, thanks thanks to your last donation of a flag, uh, it, it works a lot better. So may, maybe I need to come up with a modified design. Maybe we'll have a do-it-yourself column. We'll, we'll add again to show people how to make it. Actually, I the, the do-it-yourself column, uh, now that I remember, is, is one I posted. It's was, it was a pre-Scoob Obsessed, so Maybe I'll have to link back into it again.
1: Yeah, awareness for the die flag is always good, especially to the people out there who don't always go to the nice free programs for how to operate your boat.
0: So the next article we had up on the list was Plane Makes Planned Plunge into Athens. This was the, uh, the Beecher Hawker uh, that was 60 feet uh, with nearly a 50-foot wingspan uh, from the Athens Scuba Park that they sunk. Calvin Wilcher and his wife Sharon purchased a plane to add it to their growing scuba dive collection. The couple had been collecting scuba wreckage for more than 20 years. The beach craft it's the second plane to be submerged in their pond. They said we had three sailboats, four cabin cruisers, 16 speedboats, nine motorcycles, a 210-foot cave system, and about eight fish. <laughs> so they had all that, and they only had eight fish. Uh, Calvin and his team of divers helped taxi the plane out to water and they were on board to ride it to the bottom. It's a fun dive. Uh, the plane is going to be used to help with training other divers and rescue workers for recovery operations. It took 10 weeks to put the plane together. It was shipped in pieces, uh, and they cleaned it out of all hazardous materials. Two big rigs tugged a plane in the water, where it was eventually sank with the divers on board.
1: That I, would be rushing. rush, and I wonder if they had the seats inside. Probably not. Probably not. I'll take that back.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they, they probably don't want anything to where people can get caught on it. But that, that just sounds so absolutely amazing. I, I still want to figure out how we can sink a boat with uh, with us on it.
1: Well, they had uh, – it's, it's normally a 14-passenger plane. That plane cost $30,000, by the way. And, uh, well, a little cheaper than the new ones, which are about 850 to a million bucks.
0: So they literally spent $30,000 on that plane?
1: Well, uh, Calvin, Witcher, who owns the park – I think his wife's name is Shannon. So mm-hmm. The cost of the airplane was thirty thousand big ones. Yeah, for a scrap plane. Yep. Well, yeah, and I assume they took the engines off too, because it's what sixty feet uh, long, forty foot wingspan, and they yep. wound up using two thirty-ton wreckers uh, to get it out there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I do have a picture of it here. I'm trying to figure out how to sh- send it to you, Cause you they, had, they 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 reference it had eight. No, I take that back. Eleven highly trained scuba divers. We're on board as the craft penetrated the lake's surface. I'd like to see the video for that, and I know they've got one.
0: Oh, I'm certain. I'm sure they have to. They, ha- they had to have some sort of video for that. Yeah.
1: I was just looking to see if I could find that, because I'd like to see that from the inside out.
0: Oh, that'd be nice.
1: Yeah, that must mean then I think normally you would normally open up the front hatch, remove the door so it couldn't accidentally get dumped out. The aft door, if they've got one, I don't know if they left the windows in or out.
0: I don't know. I'd imagine, was there any value in taking the windows
1: out? Well, you could make money on the windows. I mean, if they're in pretty decent shape. Yeah, I mean, that would be good. I'm looking at it. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, if anybody wants to look it up on the uh, FAA net, the tail number is uh, November 600 MK, Michael King.
0: So what what's that do? They can actually see the last, yeah, the, the registered photo of
1: it? I uh, actually will tell you who the owner was. Uh, I'll tell you specs on the airplane. And I'm looking at the picture, and that door is still on. Ah. Uh, when I say on, it's cocked, at least in this particular picture.
0: Well, they, they did say they were using it for training, so that would make sense. If you had the door on, you could test opening the door to see how easy, you know, just to get experience for. I mean, if he had to rescue somebody, now, uh, you know, as we've talked before in many types of these situations, it's going to be more of recovery operation than actually life saving.
1: Now, yeah. uh, I can't tell if the windows are intact or not or the cockpit window. I get one view here, and it doesn't quite look like the front cockpit was would be there, and it would sort of make sense to take them out if you wanted to get the flood even you know otherwise you're gonna get a bubble in there, so maybe those front windows are out sort of looks like it, looking at the shoreline, I would have expected more people because I sure would have liked them, excuse me to be there
0: yeah then and, and well, I don't know what their weather was like, but we had some some good weather here or kind of in between weather depending on what what time of the day they did it.
1: Yeah. Looks like it's well, I don't know what time.
0: This next article is if you happen to be in Georgetown County, South Carolina, the sheriff there is pleased to announce that his sheriff's office dive team has completed requirements for certification as public safety divers and master scuba divers on May 27th, 2011. The six members include uh, the dive team, which is Lieutenant Jim Edwards, Sergeant Chuck Weaver, Sergeant Jim Kletchum, Investor investigator Mike Nelson, Deputy Russell Goodale, and Deputy Craig Smith, began the 100-hour, three-phase intensive certification program during the summer of 2010. So they spent just a little less than a year to go ahead and finish up all their certification, and it has now been completed. So if you happen to be down there, go ahead and congrats them. Let them know that we appreciate the hard work that they're doing. that's a lot of work uh, yeah and i and I kind of wonder uh how many of those people had actually dove before or if this was their first experience in diving.
1: I can't believe it'd be your first. I don't know
0: i sometimes being in the sheriff's department dive team, you do get a little bit of extra bonus money, so there is an incentive so and, and heck, if you can get the department to pick up your your dive training, that's all better,
1: well, yeah, yeah.
0: I, but it seems I, I, like
1: you'd want to have had some experience in it before you start volunteering to uh, spend their money doing something you might not really enjoy. And, yeah, I you know, guess that's true. But as a police department, I don't think I'd want to be spending money on somebody who then decides uh, that's not for me. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of time.
0: It is. I I put a lot of time in uh, when I was in the sheriff's department, Mounted Division. We we did a lot of training. But you had to make a commitment up front. Huh? You, know, you had to buy your own gear, your own weapon to get started. So well,
1: when you start buying your own gear, you're making a commitment.
0: Certainly did. Um, this next one is a press release. I usually don't like to cover press releases, but this one's interesting. Uh, there's a new website that's coming, that's going to be coming online. The website is divecenterforsale.com, and what the website's supposed to be doing is if you are looking to buy a dive center or sell a dive center. You can go to this website and they will have listings. The official launch date is going to be June 21st, 2011. Uh, and what they're expecting is that this new website is the only place where you can find that information. There's nothing dedicated to just locating dive centers. So for those of us who dream of someday having a career in diving, you can keep your eye out and, and see what's coming up and available.
1: Now, wait a minute now. Did I just hear news newsflash? You're looking for a career in diving? Oh, yeah, That's
0: newsflash.
1: I'm now I'm hearing
0: this. <laughs> First time you're hearing this. I, I would love to. It's one of those things I just, uh, I, I don't think I could make the living my family's accustomed to. You know, maybe if I could get all the kids, you know, maybe I get one kid to be a doctor, one a lawyer. And then maybe my wife, you know, discovers gold in the backyard Then I might be able to afford doing diving professionally. But I only want to do the fun stuff. I don't want to do any of the icky stuff I don't want to do. <laughs> Uh, Isn't that the best job?
1: Yeah, but I think the icky stuff goes with that. Oh, come on. Well,
0: yeah. you got to find icky
1: too, though. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, yeah, icky. You know, muck diving. I don't consider that icky. That'd be fine. No.
1: Nope. So, nope. But
0: But uh, so that will be out there. We'll follow it once once they open up. Maybe we'll have them on the show as well. See see what they can tell us about the dive site, uh, not the dive site, the uh, sales site. Okay. This next one is yeah. I almost put it in. Uh, as the obvious classification, uh, this is a story where they're saying underwater humans hear through their bones, which to me seems kind of obvious. Uh, humans possess the ability to hear fire, 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 excuse me, hear far higher pitch sounds when they're underwater than they do when they're on dry land. How can they do it? By hearing with their bones rather than through normal pathways, the U.S. Navy researchers report. Uh, They say the way humans hear above and below water differs. The difference means that they only hear between 20 and 20,000 hertz through the air while they can catch sounds all the way up to 200,000 hertz when submerged. Now,
1: Mac, do you think that that
0: has to do with just how sound differs? I mean, are you really hearing 200,000 hertz?
1: Oh, I'm not sure about that aspect, but when you say hearing, I'm not sure. I think you may be sensitive to it, and you can feel... Or hear something of a higher pitch, but I'm not sure what that really means. If there's no audibleness, meaning if I take a hammer and beat on a piece of metal, you've got some kind of noise. It sounds like I may be able to hear that at a greater distance, but that's not a speech type aspect. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So maybe the source sound was up above what we consider to be our normal hearing, but we have a way of sensing it. They say the uh, colicia. colichia which is filled with fluid and contains hair cells or tiny protrusions that also move stimulating the auditory nerve, which sends signals to the brain. The human hearing is magnificent, says Bill Martin, a hearing scientist in the Oregon Hearing Research Center in Portland. The eardrum only has to move less than the diameter of a hydrogen atom for us to perceive the sound. So that, I guess that kind of answers our question. They're just saying that we can perceive the sound by a little bit of motion. So as long as that, that range above what we consider to be our hearing can move the eardrum, which it transfers better through water than Mm -hmm. we can perceive it. But yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it's almost like, uh, you know, we can't see infrared necessarily, but uh, if you use another camera to look at it, you can then perceive it. So it's almost like it moves it down into our range.
1: As I remember it's like the little hairy things in your ear that actually wave in the wind or basically the, the audible sound. Mm-hmm. Which emits the frequency, so you can actually convert it. I know through the bone conduction, it sounds like you're stimulating those the canals basically with the vibration through the bone conduction, which then replicates the sound yeah
0: so which, they're saying so they're saying by using bone conduction, the human ear can actually receive sounds at frequencies way higher than would have been expected, so
1: it sounds like that's what it's actually vibrating the bone is making the cochlea vibrate such that then you can interpret that sound, yes. even if you were deaf from the aspect of using the little hair fibers that move to give you the same item.
0: So maybe if we want to hear high, high sounds, we just need to wear a bucket filled with water over our head.
1: <laughs> I'm looking at another article on that that talked about, for people with hearing aids, it says, if you have lost some hearing, you may be able to hear clearly again with bone conduction. Most causes of hearing loss are due to eardrum ear drum damage since bone conduction does not use the eardrum, you may be able to listen to music clearly with audible bone without a hearing aid so then that sort of explains like i was talking about then you're actually stimulating the cochlea with the vibrations through the bone giving you the same audible sensation that translates into hearing
0: yeah interesting it is it is so i poo-pooed the article in the beginning but now i actually like it
1: <laughs> I think they think that's very nice of you.
0: Yeah, you know, I I, I can be magnanimous every once in a while.
1: Does that mean yeah. I'll hear my wife better if I'm underwater with that?
0: I don't think that's going to be a selling point. Uh, this next one is effort-led diving group to really clean up. Tons of trash had been at the bottom of Lake Havosius. Only a week ago it was headed to the landfill, but there's a lot more still left. Uh, the Divers Association there held the third annual Copper Canyon cleanup earlier this week, bringing in more than two tons of trash, 16 divers and 11 non-diver volunteers, along with the U.S. Coast Guard Auxiliary Bureau of Land Management, Lake Hassava Marine Scuba Training and Technology, DuPont Post, and the St. Bernardino Bernad- Sheriff's Department picked up trash from the bottom of Cooper Canyon. Divers found tires, barbecues, chairs, bottles, solo cups, a watch, a few pair of sunglasses, and loads of beer cans, said Kathy Weidig of the Divers Association. Uh, they said, I didn't get maybe 30 feet in from my spot in Copper Canyon. There was just so much down there. I think it was good we picked up as much as we did, but there's still so much more. Uh, Cooper said he felt... Proud of the group for filling the twenty by forty foot barge full of trash. A great activity for the Divers Association, but there's still a lot down there. We're glad to do it and help clean up the area. Unfortunately, how easy it is to put something in the water. They can be clean, sighted, but it's so easy just to drop something because it sinks and it's gone. And we've experienced that firsthand, haven't we?
1: Yeah, think so. <laughs> you know, I was just looking at that list of people they had. You know, that's a lot of people if they had the Bureau of Line Manager or Land Management. I know they had 16 divers and 11 non-divers, but how many people from the bureau was there? And more importantly, you notice the, the significance of the posting, the way they did that. It has in front of the San Bernardino Sheriff Department. You know who was right in front of that one? No. Donut post.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh,
1: no, I'm just curious if that really is a donut place, but you know, I, and, and, and why to put it right in front of the sheriff's department. <laughs> I I, 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 I think
0: you picked up on something. I think I that had to be intentional. Incentive? The <laughs> sponsorship. You know, you know, like how they will name stadiums. Maybe the department has bought so many donuts that uh, they, they've got a deal. They get a discount. They just have to mention that they're uh, the donut post and the, the sheriff's department. You know, a little bit of cross-marketing.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, if anybody out there has extra donuts, I like glazed ones, just regular plain glazed ones. I'm just very happy with those. No fillings, no nuts, and all that plain glazed is great. Just glazed is really. good.
0: Yeah, glazed is good. I, I'm, I'm also a fan of the old fashioned, you know, which, I, which I understand are probably the least healthy for you. Yeah. N- nothing like being deep fried in grease.
1: Ah, uh, and, and even if you don't have those, I'll even take a box of donut holes. Donut holes, those are nice. Oh. They're a little portable. Morning, absolutely, get my sugar high. I can actually do a <laughs> work for about ten to fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah. I have to do spell check when I'm done though.
0: Exactly. So that's great. Uh, I appreciate that they got out there and cleaned that up. Uh, one one project that I'm working on myself is I'm as a lot of the stuff that we've picked up in the bottom. I think I'm actually going to create some artwork out of it. I got some idea to do some uh, some art pieces that maybe we'll go ahead and list on the website as soon as I get to it. It's a, it's been going back through my mind because there's so much material that we found down there. Now, the one thing I did you notice what item was absent from what they yes. were finding?
1: Absolutely. I didn't hear one mention of a golf ball. No golf
0: ball. It wasn't an official dive then. Either that, you know, I have a sneaky suspicion they found golf balls, but they didn't consider it trash. Somebody just pocketed the the play eighteen rounds. More than
1: likely. You know, you were talking about doing some art, you know. You know what I'm doing in my backyard, don't you? On
0: <laughs> anchor go,
1: garden? No, I no no no. Better. Better than that. Uh oh. You know, you you go to Kansas or something to see the great big ball of twine somebody collected. <laughs> okay. I I went ahead and did a geo thing in my backyard to figure out the exact center of my backyard. And what I'm doing is taking my golf balls that I have found, and I'm gluing them with super glue, and I'm making a pyramid. So eventually, it's going to be very big, and people are going to come from miles around to look at the golf ball pyramid in Mac's backyard. Wow. What do you think of that? My wife's not real hot on the subject, but I think it's a real good project.
0: Well, you know, another project for that, is if she ever gets tired of it, you know, maybe we could get a permit or it could mysteriously end up underwater somewhere.
1: True. Uh, transport could be interesting. I figured mm-hmm. that if I did that, that would also minimize how much yard I have to mow. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the positives here. there. Yeah, it's very positive. Could make some shekels.
0: <laughs> Your neighbors are going to love it.
1: I'll build a fence. Come on. <laughs>
0: they can't see it. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe uh, next week we'll have to do an article on uh, I didn't cover it in the news but uh, DEMA was sponsoring dive caching
1: uh, actually uh, SAS was doing subaquatics did you get an email on them they're trying to do some volunteer stuff for that No, geocaching I hadn't. underwater No, I oh, hadn't I'll have seen to send it. you a link to that
0: yeah this one was actually DEMA DEMA put up a website uh, let me see gosh let me I should just type website names until I come up with one. But I think it's, uh, let's see, dive, cache, dive caching. Okay. The website is beadiver.com forward slash dive caching. And this one is uh, put together by DEMA. And they, they're trying to get the sport created, which I think is an excellent idea. The downside is the website that they link to is a general geocaching website, and there is no way of filtering the locations adequately to where you can get just the uh, underwater caches.
1: Hmm. I don't know.
0: So uh, I I actually talked to DEMA about that, and they said that they're working with that website company to uh, get it filtered to where it will work. The other downside is I'm not a big fan of these websites where they make something half-assed, and then they will make it the way it should be if you pay them. So the premium membership to the the geocaching website it actually works the way you think it should. If you if it doesn't, it's nearly useless. And I won't say completely useless. It's actually a good website if that was the only thing that you had. But they definitely want to get you hooked on it. So you know, I'm not against somebody making some money. I'm just a little irritated. And actually, I pasted it in the tw- I pasted it in the Twitter instead of the chat room. So if you look at my Twitter Twitter stream and see it, you know why. Yeah, and then we have uh, Ted in the chat room was talking about that there's some local dive caches that really don't require diving. So, uh, but see, I like the idea. The the reason why I like this is it gets people out to web, to the dive sites, you know, the Havana. How much more is Havana interesting if you had a dive cache there? So
1: it would be more interesting if you could find it, if you had visibility.
0: (laughs) Well, but that, that, that adds a little bit of challenge. You have to go look for it.
1: Yeah. A lot of challenge. So (laughs) can I find the wreck
0: first? Well, first you find the wreck, which if it's buoyed, won't be too bad. That's true. It helps. Uh, and then from that, you have the dive cache off to a certain point. So, uh, and, and there's different things. So I, I actually, I'm excited about it as a hobby, uh, when my kids get to be a little bit older than uh and they're diving i think that will be a great activity so i just got a text message from jim i've been i've been giving him grief because he's been so busy and hasn't been on the program so he said everybody in the chat room was chanting his name and his comment jim who who?" he says (laughs) ah it's because of his anchor prowess so when we get into the last week's dives we'll we'll call it i teased him that we're going to name the show uh uh jim's anchor and we'll 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 tell you why there's a story behind that so I, I'm,
1: I'm, his suit is going to be so shrunk down
0: it is well he did hard to get into that he did dive this weekend he and yes, I do
1: that is true he has gotten wet he has got his gills a little bit more unpuckered
0: yeah he's, but he's uh, uh, his, falling off. but his podcasting voice is gonna be so squeaky when he comes back <laughs> it, it just, My,
1: he, Max, now you guys gonna go in the uh, Ann Arbor five this weekend
0: I don't know um i hope so I'm not, I'm not sure if they're doing it or not. Oh, why not? Uh, I don't know why not.
1: <laughs> I, I know we're going to either be mowing the lawn a little bit, and then we're going to sort of may, mosey down south, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm. I'd, I'd be interested in that too. I'd, I'd have to. I'll have to see. So, let's see, and then we'll finish off the story with. Oh no, we, we, I, I skipped we one. Ditch work or credit cards? Okay. Well, we got ditch work. This one was actually from. Uh, uh, we have uh what's what's that group uh, goodness uh the the Michigan Wrecking Crew okay uh they they were they've come up with a day they're calling it Ditch Work and Dive Day and well, it's, it's not
1: just them by the way what's that it's an inter- it's an international item. is it international yeah I just googled it just to take a look at it <laughs> oh wow <laughs> that's so, pretty it's on the Dan one also yeah Ditch Work about-
0: and Dive Day I I wish I could have.
1: Because according to that, to Dan, June second is the official 2011 Ditch and Dive Day. Tradition became or began for uh, several years ago in Southern Cal, where I met very many S beers at my first event at Catalina's Casino Point, and he has pictures and all that taken on it. And the, the concept was taken off. Scuba Radio is taking, nope, is talking about it, and interviewed Net Doc about D W A D D. Uh, even dive agencies, uh, especially N A S E. Are loving the concept. They're sponsoring an event in North Florida and the Southern Cal unit now has sponsors such as the Diver Supply and Forest Fins. Yoo-hoo! Yeah. Well actually it's a great idea.
0: It's uh, good to see that somebody's come, trying to come up with a day to get people to to do some diving. And uh bad day diving is better than a good day at work. Yes, sir, Bob. So but with that said, I didn't get a chance to go diving today. Did you get in today?
1: We were out more in the lawn.
0: Uh Oh, it's a diving activity. Between the
1: swells and the whitecaps.
0: Uh-oh.
1: <laughs> but actually, it worked out pretty good uh, having that transducer where we really need it instead of on the back of the transom. Works wonders. So we went back out with about seven areas we wanted to re-hit. And we basically hit one and got sidetracked on some other stuff. There are some interesting darn formations down there.
0: Mm. Every time we go out,
1: it's like, God, we got to go back and dive that place. Well, um...
0: That sounds great to me. So as soon as we finish off this news, we'll have to hear a little bit more about it. Uh, the second to the last one is Diver Finds Credit Card Lost 25 Years Ago. This one's out of West Palm Beach, Florida. A Florida contractor found a credit card a friend lost 25 years earlier in a mile offshore, 90 feet down on an artificial reef. Uh John of West Palm Beach in the Palm Beach Post said he... He likes to leave the ocean floor tidier than when he found it. So he picked up the card he saw in the sand. He recognized it as an old Penny card. And then when he had a chance to examine it on the surface, he realized that the name was familiar. He called his friend Jack, a caterer who lives in Delray Beach. Jacob's wife told him that she and her husband had never had a JCPenney card. But Jacob's called back later saying the card was indeed his. Uh, I told him that he lost his card 25 years ago when he was living in Davie before I was married. Jacob said the befuddling thing is, how did I get a mile offshore in some reef? And I have to hit pause. There's some video playing. Some of these websites are just plain annoying. Uh, When I told him I lost the card 25 years ago, um, they're not sure how it got there. The question no one can answer, the artificial reef, the triangle, we put the two together from a freighter. We put it together from a freighter, a barge in the Palm Beach area after an old Ro- I have no idea what that last paragraph is.
1: Oh, it says, this is the Palm Beach area after all, an old Royals Royce.
0: An old Royals barge Royals.
1: and an old Royals Royce.
0: Yeah, I, I have no idea.
1: If it had been around here, he would have never found it. He'd had zebra mussels on it and never recognized it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you'd have just had this rectangular formation of, of zebra mussels. That's true.
1: Yeah, it is. You know that the Lake Erie basically has a sub-base of uh, almost three inches of zebra mussels over its whole, the total bottom?
0: No, that's amazing. So just nothing but zebra mussels, the whole Lake Erie.
1: Yeah, and that the
0: uh, quaggas. Quaggas. Well, see, if they have them that thick, they should be able to roll them up just like a carpet.
1: Where are you going to put that? <laughs> that's a huge carpet, and I bet it weighs a ton when it's wet.
0: <laughs> oh, you know you put that in the neighbor you don't like. Or actually somebody you don't like. You don't want it to be your neighbor because you're going to smell that thing for I was going to say, make
1: sure he's down one day.
0: <laughs> okay, and we're finally to the last article. This one, uh, if you listen to Rich from Diver Sinks podcast, he talked about it last night. See, that's why he has it one day earlier. He can scoop us. So this one was Blackbeard's anchor lifted off the sea after 293 years.
1: Long time.
0: It had been there a long time. The waves just off the Atlantic Beach were a little too large. Dozens of researchers, state historian officials, and journalists watched. Transfixed as crew members of the research vessel Dan Moore. Um, They had ropes, and if you've ever seen some of the recovery operations where they're trying to bring in the uh, submersibles, you know what it can get like when it's windy. The nearly 3,000-pound anchor was swaying out of control.
1: That's what taglines are for.
0: Yeah, and they had them, it it looks like. The researchers have brought up tens of thousands of objects from the wreck, including several cannons, which required similar recovery techniques. On paper, such operations look straightforward, like hooking up a car and a tow truck. It is never that simple at sea, though. For starters, weather was their critical factor. uh, Actually, the anchor they picked up was not the one that they wanted to get. They wanted to get the much larger main anchor but it was sitting on top of a pile of artifacts and everything had kind of corroded together. So they were able to find this other anchor while they were down there and decided, heck, we'll take this one up and we'll leave the other one for later on. Uh, Let's see if we've got here. They are actually hope to have the wreck fully excavated by 2013. The state officials are hoping to raise private funds of about $100,000 each of the next three years to pay for the dives. Uh, They also have even bigger dreams of a yet and unfounded New Maritime Museum on the edge of Beaufort, North Carolina. The land has been bought, but not the building, which state officials hope will have three to four times the exhibit space of the current downtown museum. It would have three galleries, one dedicated entirely to the Queen Anne's Revenge. So, it's interesting. I'm kind of surprised they're picking this stuff up. I wonder how they're, they're curating and preserving all those artifacts. I'm wondering who's paying for it. Well, what were we talking about? How much was it for a shoe? 30000
1: Well, my point is I'd like to see the RTO on a, on any, make that any, underwater excavation. You know what I meant by a return on the investment? Uh, R.I.O., yeah. I'd like to see the actual figures on that because you're going to find out it don't work that way. There is no. Yeah, I, I, don't,
0: I don't think there is unless you had a museum that was just to one item. Uh, I think the Titanic, they they did pretty good with what little bit they've got. But a lot of people got mad because they were making money off it.
1: Absolutely. And yet 100 years from now, the Titanic is not going to be there.
0: It'd just be a rust stain.
1: It's not going to be much. So it's like, hey, well, it's like the archaeologists, you know, if you look through the laws in in Michigan, for example, you can't take a picture of a dead body on on the bottom. And I mean, obviously, you wouldn't want to do that, blah, blah, blah. But Unless you're an archaeologist, then you can. Or if you have a a police officer and you're doing a case, then you can show it. But normal guy, you can get in trouble for doing that kind of stuff. You've got the whole laws on the artifacts. If you find something, it actually belongs to the state. Yet if you tell the state where it is, they can't do anything with it anyhow because they don't have any money.
0: The problem with that law is that I am sure, uh, I mean, I'm not even sure, I'm 100% convinced it's an illegal law. I mean, we have the First Amendment here.
1: Well, it's not really a, a legal law from the aspect you you didn't vote for. It's basically uh, – I can't even think of the term for it. It's like most of the laws we have are not voted upon. They're put within a an entity like the FAA or the Nuclear Regulatory Commission and the FSARs, Final Safety, or the um, FARs, mm-hmm. you know, reports. And it's what is it codification of what they consider standards, and they make the law. You didn't get to say a thing about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we have the Bill of Rights that,
0: and the Constitution to prevent stuff like that. So, I mean, without getting too political, uh, it just drives me nuts when this. And, and the worst thing about it is, as much as it irritates me, I'm not going to test it. I don't want to take a picture of of somebody who's dead and then paste it on the internet. So, it's it's wrong on principle, but I'm still not going to violate it. It's it's the same way I feel like uh, burning the flag. You know, it's it is freedom of expression, but I don't want anybody to burn it except for the other part. Yeah. Okay, now, now we're on a tangent. Uh, when I was in Boy Scouts, we were taught that if you drop the flag in the dirt, you're supposed to burn it anyway. Did I lose you, Mac?
1: Nope, nope, that's correct. That's what we had. And actually, even in the service, we try not to do that. Uh, if you ever have duty where you get the the, the privilege of being able to do the, the flag up in the morning, take it down in the evening, Right. Uh, you do your best not to get it in the dirt. Occasionally, yeah, exactly. if we have that, But the intent is not to. Uh, There's a lot of controversy with uh, parachute jumping when they have the flags, the big flags and stuff, because generally you can't control it when it comes down and you can't catch a a 100-foot flag towed behind a diver. You just can't do it. Right. So some people believe that should not be done because you cannot handle that respectfully. So it's it's one of those, yeah, I know, but. So what do you do? Yeah, very true. I mean, it's really pretty in the air, though. It is. Okay. Intent has a lot to do with that. Yeah. So that does it for
0: our news, at least the current news. We do have one news in history. Bring this back. Uh, We'll go ahead and give the answer next week. Come back next week and hear the answer. But this one is, and I'll read it. It says scuba diver spans three miles straight. And this one is from Sicily. Fred Baldisphere, a scuba diver from Cocoa, Florida. Today, brave sharks and bad weather become the first man to swim the Strait of Messina underwater. He celebrated his 38th birthday, went into the water at 7.43, came ashore at the coast of Italy at 11.27 a.m., some distance from where he originally had planned the land. The planned three-mile swim came out much longer because of the strong currents and bad weather that forced him to take a zigzag course. He stayed about 15 feet underwater most of the way using air tanks and a mask. Although there are sharks in the area, He said he saw none during his swim. So uh, go ahead to head to Facebook. Post what year you think that was. It was June 9th. But what year was it? And uh, we'll go ahead and give you the answer next week. Did he
1: have to have a passport?
0: Did it say if he had to have a passport?
1: I'm asking. Did he have to have a passport? I don't
0: know. I would think you would have to, wouldn't you? (laughs) He went from one country to another. And he was from the U.S., so you know he had one to get there in the first place. Okay, well, that that goes and does it for the news. Let's head on to into the section of the program where we talk about last week's dives. So we'll start with you, Mac. You had a ton of dives in, it looks like.
1: I don't remember.
0: <laughs> you don't remember. So what I'm going to have to do just to remind you is we'll. You'll have we'll to pull remind me the...
1: where I was, what right day.
0: Okay, so we got the Mud Club. Uh, you can get over to the Mud Club website, mudclub.scubobsessed.com. Which, uh, I'm getting to where I'm using this more as my dive log now. That's what I do on it. So we have, let's see, this week is June 2nd. So we had the clay banks Paw Paw Lake last week. Uh, We had, uh, did you do the Wednesday dive with uh, Rich?
1: We went out uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. I take that back. We went out Monday the same as you guys. You guys went up north to the Ironsides. Yes. We went south down to the other wreck,
0: Uh-huh.
1: and visibility greatly sucked. Oh, no.
0: Now, oh, did yeah. it suck before somebody got down there, or was it pre-sucking? I was the
1: first one down on the anchor line, and uh, I got down. And it's like, God, everything turned black before we got there, and I mean black. So I got down to the line by Braille. I'm feeling the chain. So I put my face in the mud, and I said, well, I can see the mud. So I put the tagline on it because we were not on the wreck. We should have had Sweeney there. Yeah, he, so
0: he can put it on.
1: I went out 50 feet and I took, uh, let me think who was with me. I'll think about who that was in a second. We went out 50 feet, got taut, did a circle. Um, uh, soon as I got a bow in the line. I realized, haha, we hit it. We followed the tagline back and it was a towing black, uh, towing ball lock in the back, you know, the mm-hmm. big post. That's where we had tagged it. Made our way on top through the sides and stuff and then made our way back to the chain where we met everybody else in the world because everybody was there. Cause you couldn't see <laughs> and they weren't quite sure which way to go. And they didn't see the line cause it's sort of like in the dirt. So I told them next time we'll try to make it up higher on, on the line. So if somebody comes down, they can spot the line and follow it out.
0: Oh, I see.
1: But, uh, I, it was very dark and, once you got about thirty feet away from it for whatever reason, then you could see the the bottom from about two or three feet. But it was freaking dark. And for you guys to have thirty feet and we had three inches, it's not fair.
0: And thirty feet may have been a little conservative.
1: The video the pictures
0: look nice. Yeah, Bob had some great pictures. But you're you're back to you're talking about Uh, one, one thing I think is good to do on the, on the anchor line, if you look at what Bob's done is he actually takes, he's got like a little plastic zip tie with fins on it and he's got that part of the way up and then he drops a, a Strobe. strobe light. Yeah. So if you use that same spot to put your dive line, you know, that would put it, you know, three or four feet above the bottom.
1: That's also meaning maybe you didn't get it there. It's sort of bad if people are tagging on your your search line when you're Mm -hmm. still searching, though.
0: Oh, that's true.
1: We could have have staggered the group. uh, Then they would have gotten on it because, as it was, everybody else did not get on it. We did. That's about it. Well,
0: And that's a a good object to have people kind of come down in phases because it is so silty. That silt out there is a little little heavy in a clay mixture.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what that is because that's unusual. You get off a ways from it in the sand in that area what we were thinking of is cargo oh okay the so cargo maybe the, maybe may the... Still be there if you know what i mean in yeah that's mm. like cornmeal
0: yeah well that would make sense considering the possible cargos that that could have had from that yeah. time yeah uh you know a little bit of like a like a talcum powder almost mm-hmm. naturally occurring hmm yeah there's an idea yeah, 'cause because I, I know when we had well the, the other spots that uh you and I had dove in that same location when we were doing some searching, mm-hmm. uh they weren't anywhere near poor visibility or an unusual bottom. They were nope. fairly sandy.
1: Right. Yeah. And you did have the trash collection in the rows and the in the uh, undulations in the in the bottom land. You'd still have your debris, but you still have good vis. So Hmm. Uh, the only thing we can think of is there was some work going on at a certain plant nearby. uh, uh They've got a jack up barge out there, and the only thing we can think of is something's going on there that's creating a difficulty for us. Yeah, it
0: wouldn't take much. I mean, it would probably be like a little, you know, spread from there, you know, where as it would dissipate. Yeah. The the other thing is, uh, are there any creeks or? It just seems like that would be odd, though. But, I mean, there, the river. There isn't
1: really anything near where we are for that. Yeah. Far offshore, anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we're, it seems like we'd be way too offshore for yeah. to get that cloud of stuff. But, you know, I, I was almost wondering if you happened to get up in a plane to take photos, because I bet you that looks like a big brown turd going into that lake.
1: I did. I got pictures last week of it, and that was lousy.
0: When when so what we did, you know, while you were down there diving that object, we went up to Grand Haven and and went out to the Ironside. And as we were leaving, you know, and if you remember last year, we when we did this dive in July, it was during the Coast Guard Chip Festival, uh, and traffic was terrible. We didn't have that, but we we went out of the same launch. But the river didn't look too bad. It was high, which made it a little bit better to navigate from the the dock we were at. And it I didn't think it was all that dirty. It was brown but not crazy brown. But once you got out and you later when we headed back in, it was a huge contrast. Then it really stood out and you realized how bad and how silt laden those rivers are coming out. We, we had flood stages and I just about every river on the West side of the state.
1: Yeah. I was out checking the ball river down in Hartford uh, yesterday, matter of fact, and God, it's, it's, Easy twice, if not three times as wide as normal. Um, matter of fact, going under the bridge there, it gets to the point you might have to duck if you're in your kayak. Oh, wow. It is that freaking high and fast.
0: Yeah. Well, it looks like it. I mean, there's spots. Once this all settles down, it'll be interesting to see what kind of channels have changed in the river with all this water. Well, anyway, back back to Grand Haven. Uh, we went out there and we, we went out to the Ironside. Jim had his boat. Bob had his boat. Kurt and myself for the hired hands, free labor, so to speak. So we we went out there. Um, n- nice day, day sunny, burned to a crisp.
1: Yeah, I noticed you were a little toasty. Yeah, a
0: little, little, little cherry red. And it didn't feel bad while I was out there. And even when I took that photo, it wasn't bad. I'm starting to peel today. So I've got that uh, flaky skin in the top of my head. Amazing how that happens when you don't have hair. Uh, Jim was cooking out there, so... We couldn't uh, have our caps on. In fact, on the way back in, his cap blew off his head and landed in the water, and we had to go back and recover it. It was just about ready to dip down below the surface when we grabbed it. So we, we got out to the Ironsides, and it, it seemed like a short ride. Uh, Bob stopped, and we're like, what are you stopping for? He goes, we're here. Uh, the buoy was not up on the Ironsides. Uh, I understand that the MSRA and some of the other uh, preserve members haven't been out setting up I, I think they're they're doing some shipwreck hunting, so uh, nobody's got the buoys up on many of these wrecks yet. But Bob, uh, with his legendary skill, dropped the anchor right there on the iron sides. In fact, when we went down, it was wrapped around one of the uprights.
1: That's amazing.
0: It is. I don't know how he does it, but he's, he's dead on consistent, just has that. Jim uh, dropped an anchor, and it didn't really quite bite uh, kind of caught a little funny, so we we messed around with trying to get the anchor, so we got the boats somewhat close together. We really weren't too successful. So how anyway, we, go ahead.
1: I was gonna say, how come you guys didn't trail boats? We everybody's on the same boat, take a tagline boat to boat, so everybody's in the, well, the same spot.
0: We, we we talked about it, but uh, with uh, there being no mooring up. Yeah uh we didn't th- we didn't know if bob's we didn't know at that time that Bob's anchor <laughs> had set on the wreck, so we weren't sure if it would hold so we wanted to have you know Jim's boat's a little bit more mass than what Bob has, yeah, you think, <laughs> so uh we wanted to make sure it had its own anchor, so we put out all the anchor line we had and that put us about thirty five forty yards behind Bob's boat, and uh he ran a tag line and we attached another tag line to the back of that, so it wasn't. There's only about 20 yards, that, uh 20 yards, yeah, it seemed about 15, 20 yards that we had to swim to get to that tagline and then go hand over hand. But uh, the wind was, well, it wasn't too choppy. waves were 1 to 3 when we went out, and they settled down to about 1 to 2 by the time we got in the wreck. And the flies, oh my gosh, the flies were showing up on the boats. I don't know, I still don't know why flies are miles out from the shore and they just appear. When I used to do sailing, we used to run the same thing. Those flies are just everywhere.
1: We had the same problem. I I have no clue. We stop, and then you regretted stopping because those suckers were biting. Yeah, they're biting. And what are they
0: doing? Because they don't draw blood. So what's the point of them biting? Are they testing to see if my flesh is dead?
1: Or laying larvae in one or the other.
0: Uh, I guess maybe that's it. But I, I didn't stand around long enough to let them... Lay larvae, but we were smacking him. So anyway, Jim had the first anchor out and set. And he has this other, you know, it looks like a grapple anchor. And he had yep. the back of the boat, uh, back of the boat. And he says, you know, I want to throw another anchor line. And he knew he was kind of, you know, the, the iron side's about 120 feet deep. So he throws the anchor over and he's watching the line to go out. And as the line goes out, he decides, you know what? I'm going to make a smart ass remark to Kurt. So we always got to give Kurt some grief. So as he goes to say something to Kurt out of the corner of his eye, he sees that line go flipping out of the bucket and into the water. So if you're on the iron sides, north, approximately 300 feet off the wreck, is a torpedo anchor. <laughs> Actually, Bob, when he was down there, said he saw some line floating off in the distance and uh, wondered what it was. So that tells you how good that viz was. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, gosh, that, you know, any, any dive is a good dive that you can come back from you know, and that you prepare for, but that was a, we had a good dive, but it wasn't quite a great dive. We had some good visibility, but I just was running into all sorts of problems. Uh, you know, getting my gear together, my gloves disintegrated, my five finger gloves, I'm pulling them on. They ripped through. So those are pretty much toast now. So I need to buy replacements for those. So the dive shop should be happy. So I struggled to get that on. I struggled to get my gear on. I had, uh, my first stage, the cap on it had come loose, so I had to put that back on. Uh, God, you know, I get in the water. And just when you're fighting with getting your gloves on, and I am I just need to get some exercise because I'm just not in the greatest condition <laughs> right now. Too much butt time in the chair at work, and I need to get out doing some running or walking or something so I get a little bit of endurance because I just don't feel like I'm a good dive buddy at this point. You know, you just, it's like, gosh, if I had to go and do a surface drag at gym back or do something, Yeah, you know, that'd be about all I could take. So anyway, I, uh, w- we swam from Jim's boat to the tagline, it's about 15, 30 yards and I'm huffing and puffing to get on that. And then that tagline, we probably had 30, 40 feet of that out going hand over hand. And then we went to uh Bob's boat and then all this fighting, I didn't realize that I didn't have my mask on correctly.
1: You know what you're sounding like, don't you? What's that? Poster trial for a slam course. A slam course, <laughs> yeah, scuba life saving accident management. Yeah, I, 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 I they teach you about the, the same little items. How many ticks do you have before you have a problem? I've oh, counted yeah. five so far. Yeah, so well, and and part of it, the basic skill and grace kept you from having a problem,
0: though. Yeah, well, we'll see. And, there, and there's a few more because really, what started this if we go to the root cause, I was over prepared, what I was doing is I'm so used to our winter dives and I'm I don't want to be cold winter dives. I'm still doing that. I'm still preparing for winter dive when I need I needed to adjust to a spring dive. We just we've had such a cold spring. you know here we are the the you know the kickoff of the summer dive season and I'm still dressing like I do in the winter. So I primed my wetsuit, I've got thermals on underneath my wetsuit. I have two hoods on. and as I'm getting geared up, Sitting in the sun, I was baking, and by that time I already had my my belt on. I'm not taking that off, but I was absolutely overheated. And that overheated is such a stress. When you get hot, I I I should have at that point said, you know what? Let's regroup. Let me take everything off, dump in, cool off, and then go. I was so glad to get in the water and cool off because I had just gotten so hot. But then I had my mask on because I've been I was fighting with all these other very minor issues any one of those issues alone wasn't anything big but you start putting them together and you just don't have a comfortable feeling and then i started going down about 20 feet down and the visibility at 20 feet was like what you had south i mean you literally well it was it was a little bit better i had at least four four feet but it was pretty poor and i've got you know water leaking in you know i'm breathing a little bit heavy i mean i'm not over breathing my reg but i'm i'm not my normal controlled breathing. So then you're trying to fight that and get that. And then so what I had to do is as I'm going down, you know, equalizing, you know, and you're fighting a little bit of an allergy. I didn't take any medication, so no problems there. But, you know, a little bit more effort to equalize the normal. And then I'm pulling my, my hood away from my mask. And as I did that, I pulled the back of my hood up to kind of get that space. Well, now my... Uh, mass strap is towards the top of my head and I didn't realize that. So I don't have a really good fit. So the whole dive, I had this trickle leak in my mask that was absolutely driving me nuts. And then on top of that, we had, uh, along with, I forgot to mention Paul. I can't believe I didn't mention Paul. He's diving doubles and he went down the line first and not that he did anything wrong, but all these divers going down the anchor line instead of the buoy, you know how that anchor line gets. It oh yeah. Throats. So now you're 150 feet off the wreck, 10 feet from the bottom. And at this point, we're at about 105 feet. And now you're doing a bottom swim. So you could see the wreck. It was an interesting, it was, Jim and I talked about afterwards, it was beautiful to see the wreck from the side. We've always come down the mooring from the top, which comes into two boilers, but we actually could see it from the side. So this 200 foot long shipwreck, Materializes out of the distance, you know, with about sixty foot viz, and you can see it. So we got on it. Uh, we were at about 115 feet by this point, and we did just a little bit of dive. But by that point, all the time down, all that fighting, not being comfortable breathing, I look and I'm at my turn back pressure uh, uh, air pressure. So we decide my rock bottom turn point. So we decide I, I signal to go back as Jim's signaling to go back. So I'm not sure why he's signaling. Uh you know, we were both given the okay sign, so there was no problems, but we went back. But that whole time I just had an uneasy feeling. It was one of those where you know, you're under control, you're calm, but you just don't feel good. So it was a good dive, beautiful, glad we got to see the ship. We had probably four or five minutes on the bottom there on the ship, but you know, we you know, it, it could have been a better dive. Yeah, we're diving. Well,
1: Sounds like you guys though did do a good after dive brief. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, lessons learned, and that's that's always a value there. Oh yeah. certainly,
0: yeah, yeah, we're 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 definitely learning all the time. We're learning. I mean, this is uh, you know, both Jim and I are well over 100 dives now, but you still feel like novices, and it's just how all these things can add up, and you know, because we we weren't going to get out of the. It, it was one of those things we weren't leaving the dive line. We just took a little quick eyeball around, and then we headed, headed back up. Uh, Bob passed us on the way down. We actually passed him on the way down. Uh, he was at about 30 feet hanging out. Uh, we went by him, and then on uh, Paul went up. And when we got to the surface, Jim did an excellent job of helping Paul. Paul's got doubles, and he oh, had yeah. to get into Bob's Zodiac. And it, if you're not used to, you got to unequip in the water. So we've got tag lines that you tie off and you get out of your gear. And, and so he gets out of his gear and he looks at Jim and he goes, okay, now what? And Jim's like, well, what are you going to do? You're going to pull and kick up and then get in the boat. And, you know, Paul did a great job getting back in the boat. And then we helped him push the gear up. Those doubles, man. I know I'm going to have to, when I get into tech diving, I'm going to have to do doubles. I am not looking forward to messing with all that weight. Sling bottles, baby. Sling bottles. I I I, I like the idea of those side mount setups. So, uh, you know, I'm going to do doubles just cause that's the only way you can get training up here. So I'll, I'll get the doubles and do that training, but I'm certainly going to learn how to do independent double side mount. Cause I think that's going to be more what I enjoy doing would be a side mount, but you know, until you try it and get the proper training, you never know. But, uh, we had a good dive. Bob was down there for a long time. That's another thing we've talked about is, uh, you know, we need to get a little bit better dive plan with Bob uh, you know, how long are you are going to stay down? Because that rebreather, he could be down, you know, when you have a nearly unlimited supply of air, and I say unlimited, you know, three hours, uh, easy, uh, you know, how long is he going to stay down? At what point do you, you know, send somebody up? Because you had, uh, you know, Paul came up with, with Jim and myself, uh, you know, and, and he actually signaled he was coming up with uh, to Jim because uh, Jim, Jim checked, Jim offered him air. Jim had a pony in case he had a problem, but he didn't. Uh, but Bob, you know, Kirk came up cause he's, he's got one nineteens, and, uh, Bob's got a rebreather. So he can stay down there forever. So you, you just, we, that's one thing we, we want to get with Bob, just a little bit better plan of what, of what he's doing. But all in all, visibility was good. The, wreck uh, seemed to be in similar condition. It was the, the last year, you know, at, at one point my, my buoyancy was okay. Not as good as I like, but I could just consider the stress of all the other thing going on, contributing to it. But, you know, I, I did, uh, at one point I had to do the, you know, kind of the finger touch to control the, the buoyancy. Jim at one point said I was sitting there waving my, uh, my, uh, inflator in the air because it wasn't inflating and I was too, uh, horizontal. I need to do a butt dump, which, uh, I need to have some maintenance done on that butt dump too. See, there's another item. How many items are you, are you counting, Mac? Am I about to 10? 15? <laughs> oh,
1: all I'm glad is when you guys went out and discussed this afterwards, I bet you guys said. Uh, wow if i'd had a novice with me what would i have done to him
0: oh yeah no we we, well for one thing this is not a good novice dive Uh, i'd say i mean it you don't have to be it's an advanced dive you know you do a few good deep dives in a good quarry uh it's a good warm-up for if we do the ann arbor five or and the the crane and barge this weekend so it's 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 good uh Part of it, I you know, I just need I just need to get in better shape. I I need to find out some way in my day to make some time to get some running and some cardio in because it's just huffing and puffing too much. Plus, you know, I'm gonna go to one hood. I don't need the two hoods. Uh, gloves, I'm I'm gonna buy a better pair of gloves. I I gotta get. Uh, I had some dry gloves. A dive shop had had shown me. They're like, here, try these dive gloves. These dry gloves. I tried them. I liked them. I go back. They don't they don't stock them anymore. So. Hmm. I need, to, I need to find some of those, but uh, overall, a good dive we had we had some fun time, and of course, we did the after dive eating, which is always good and we talked about it so and then uh, did you get another dive in besides the the one you had down there?
1: Yeah, we went up to uh, Portage Lake at the Coldbrook County Park. That was the uh, Wednesday evening dive sponsored by SAS of Battle Creek, and uh, a lot of times they refer to that as Blue Lake. On the map, it's Portage Lake. You ain't gonna find Blue Lake. Oh. But uh, the water at the beach area was nice. That there is actually some bikini-clad beauties actually in the water, which is always interesting. Uh, Good number of people were launching kayaks from the beach. The beach itself was pretty, was nice and sandy. If you didn't fall into the hole that captured three people. Ooh. Uh, But you get out the chest high, get all your gear, do another two feet out. Bottom drops to about eight. The weeds are all the way to the top. You go two more feet, look down, the weeds are gone because the bottom went from 10 to 20 feet. Heck of a slope. Visibility was great. Absolutely great. Until we got down to the bottom and started mucking. <laughs> so I we bet. were actually we were actually out there mucking uh, off the slope, and then it was like between 20 and 30 feet, and we normally only grub up at 15 to 20, but the slope was so fast or so steep... Uh, you needed to go down. Uh, they did a real, uh, real nice job of keeping uh, paired up, and uh, everybody had a flag, or at least the pair had a flag. I teamed up with a gentleman uh, I hadn't met before, but he's a grubber, which was great. Ah. Um, so we established ground rules for the hand signals, who's going to do what, where we're going to go. And it basically was, I'm going to lead, he's going to follow. Wherever I go, don't look for him because he's going to be there. He did an excellent job, but nice. part of the reason that was easy, was, is because he said whenever the silt just went poof, he'd come up about three feet, see my bubbles come out of the cloud, knew exactly where I was because mm-hmm. my line's coming up. Because <laughs> I'd come back to a clearing and he's right off to my right. Um, nice. He is an instructor and he did a very nice job. Oh, was, so
0: he was an instructor?
1: Yeah, he, he's an instructor out there also. Ah. Uh, and they really don't like to put people they don't know out by themselves, even if they're grubbing. Because I ask, you know, are you, are you guys trying to babysit me because... Uh, I'm a grubber, and he said no, went back, we looked at some, he has metal detectors in his car just like I do, uh-huh. but the bottom was good, visibility, actually game fish, big ones, um, I think somebody saw muskie, and, and there was enough items found, you're talking about um, anchors, fishing poles, sunglasses, it was a good dive, very good dive, and then afterwards we went to Godfather's Pizza, maybe two-thirds of them went there. And basically, we broke down into debriefing sessions of, well, did you have a good time? What you find? And then the uh, group I was sort started talking about dives they'd been on that turned into horror stories. Uh-oh. And then some of those were, like, funny only in after after the fact.
0: It, it, presumably, everybody came back okay in the end.
1: Yeah, but they came up, and it's like, oh, the boat's over here. But uh-huh. they still had air, so they went snorkeling. Next time they looked up, the boat was a mile away. And uh, the current was the wrong direction. Yeah. And it was five and a half hours later when they got in the boat. Ooh. And uh, that goes to the value that we learned again last year. When you need a safety sausage, you need a good one. You don't need one of those dinky six-footers that you need two feet to go in the water for to stand up. Yeah. And a good whistle. And you need coordination of where do you plan to be and yeah. what happens if you're not. So it was a real good discussion.
0: You know, that, that you know you had mentioned earlier that we needed to do some of that training. It wouldn't be a bad idea just to uh, have a fun dive, you know, maybe on our favorite site and uh, just do some testing. Say, hey, when everybody comes up, before you get in the boat, why don't you launch your safety sausage? So they can just, you know, <laughs> dust the mold off, make sure it inflates, see if it's really visible and if they even know how to place it in the water. Because like mine uh, is a blow inflator. So the nice thing about that is it doesn't have to be, you know, I don't have to, if it comes up out of the water, it's not going to deflate. But you, you definitely have to have that technique to make sure it points up so people can see it.
1: You also need to play with it to make sure you know how you can inflate it and can you inflate it. Yeah. Because well, mine, well, I've been using mine as a marker buoy too. Because if I, I've got an extra 30-foot line in it, and it's available for me to use. But I go down, if I find something, I put a tag on it put a little puff in there. So I got me another reference. Ah. But last year when we used it there at Sheboygan, when I found that, that wagon, that intact yep. wagon out there in 20 some feet, it's like, if you really need something, when it starts kicking up, you need a bigger one than what I've got. If I were anywhere, but inland lakes, I would have that, the the one from Dan, that one that sells there, especially with the capacity to put a, a Kim light in the top of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you bet your Bippy next time we go to the big lake, out further, uh, I will have one of those. Now, is there but something, is is there? go ahead, practicing to something if you haven't done, you really need to do. Yeah. Cause I, I've, I've actually inflated
0: it, but I don't believe I've actually inflated it in the water. So that's a, that's a good thing that I, I probably should do. Maybe I'll make that a, a rule for my next dive. Uh, when I come up, I'll go ahead and, and play around with it.
1: Well, another good, believe it or not, exercise is just being in shallow water near a beach area that's maybe slightly over your head. Mm-hmm. It's just theory of gear. Can you really undo your snaps if you needed to get your gear off? And it's amazing how often with the three-finger mitts or twos, mm-hmm. it's a little hard to make those catches work. Yeah. Well, well we're
0: we're actually well, in pretty good shape with that because we're used to doing it. Because that's how we that's how we get in the boat is we tagline and ungear out out there. And I have to say, the first time you go and do that, if you haven't done it before, it is a little bit awkward. But now it's yeah. second nature.
1: Because you're you using it as a way to get the gear off to get into a to an yeah. inflatable.
0: Yeah. Well, and I I mean this was the first dive I did with uh well the second dive I did with five fingers. I did that one where I, I forgot my three fingers at home and had to do the a cold river dive with my fives. But uh, yeah, this so I've been I am so used to the three finger mitts that they they don't even slow me down at all.
1: Yeah, anymore, I don't even notice, and it's like they say though, if you if you can't function because you got two fingers or three finger mitts, leave them on and start doing chores. That's what they were teaching in some of the classes. Yeah. After a while, you can tie shoes with them on, and that sounds far fetched, but try it. Yeah.
0: Preferably in a day that's not 95 degrees.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or 32.
0: <coughs> well, I've actually worn mine out. Uh, they. That's one of the the things they don't tell you in in the the class is dry suit booties aren't too bad in the snow.
1: Yeah. Just don't want to stand there for a long time. Uh, So do
0: you have have any dives planned for the weekend? You you said you were doing some mowing the lawn?
1: Well, we're going to do that, but we're definitely going to go back to the south one. I hope the visit would be better. I wish I had a good camera, and I want to be the first down Uh and get a few items taken, some pictures. And uh that doesn't work, if the weather's a blow, I'm going to go to Pawpaw probably. Okay. And I know the other guys are talking about the Ann Arbor 5. That's yeah. a nice fact. I like that one.
0: Yeah, I have, to, I have to see if Jim and team are going to Ann Arbor 5. I wouldn't mind doing the Ann Arbor 5. I just, yeah, after the iron size, I, I wouldn't mind a nice conditioning dive. I'll do it. But
1: Well, you you only want to do that one, though, if you've got an anchor and, and a buoy on it. Yeah. Otherwise, that's not the place to be trying to do equalization at 130 feet or 60 no, or 40. No. Yeah.
0: That, if, if if I go out with them and there's no anchor or buoy on it, I'll just watch the boat. I I can't because what's the bottom there? 160? Yeah. Yeah. 160. I mean that's that's way outside my range. So uh, and and the thing is when because it's 119 I think to where the the buoy or mooring line attaches to the Ann Arbor Five deck. Right, and then the uh, the center of the pro- the props I think is 125.
1: 130. You just kick over. You can you can bounce it real quick, and then come back and feel more comfortable at 120. Yeah. But visibility has been so good, it's almost like the tropics where as long as you can see, your your um, psychological level is different. Mm-hmm. You know, your stress level is much more much better. Yeah. Yeah, because that that was one of the things about my last dive. It
0: just you know I just had that uncomfortable. You know, somebody watching me feeling.
1: It's like like they always say, or when you're flying or jumping, I'd rather be on the ground wishing I was in the air than in the air wishing I was on the ground.
0: Yeah, and and I have to admit, I, that's kind of how it was. I was I was glad, and, and it didn't take much of an increase. You know, when I was at 100 feet, I felt better. That at 115, it was just uh, you know, just that that feeling on the the base of your spine where it just not comfortable well so. it's like
1: even on shorter you know not as deep dives, yeah. but for anytime over 60 feet my comfort level goes up a lot when i take a small sling tank you know a pony R- right and then and,
0: and that was another thing jim and i were sharing a pony so uh and i, I i've just got to get a i just had i should have taken a pony with me i have just got to do that so yeah i agree with you
1: i mean I, and like last couple of times we've been diving it though remember we've been putting a stage bottle down even though we didn't need it We've been That's putting the down there. So all you got to do is get to the anchor guys and you've got extra air. And uh, to me, I like that. I mean, it's a, it's something you don't need, but it's sure nice to have it down there and it psychologically gives you a boost.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm ready for, I, I just, I should have one. I've, I've and, been borrowing one. I just need to put one together.
1: Yep. Have you been to the site to see the uh, picture I put in from the day?
0: Yeah, I did. That was a nice
1: photo. How'd you like our welcoming committee? <laughs> yeah, I had quite a bit. Well, you know who they are, don't you? Mm. That's the sheriff department in the front, and that's the coast guard in the back, and that's the sheriff department on the scooter.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but uh, they're, they're all divers.
1: Well, yeah, they were doing rescue drills. Ah. It, it was an interesting exercise. Nice boats. I'd take either one of those.
0: Well, I know. That's what I see whenever I see them. I like that. Uh, what's the, the red one? Is that the auxiliary Coast Guard?
1: No, that is the Coast Guard.
0: Well, that's the Coast that, Guard.
1: That's the one that they mount the 50s on. The mount of the, not 50s, but the uh, M60s. Oh. They've actually got those for the, I've seen them out there with them. Oh, really? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Is, is it, that, that
1: th- one of those threat days where they were guarding the railroad bridge? Ah. Uh. Yeah, if you if you're they're, you don't want to take them on. <laughs> no, they get serious. Yeah, they don't have a, a big sense of humor either. Sometimes.
0: No. Nope. They they are a branch of the military. We sometimes forget. Yep. So uh, yeah, it sounds so we'll have to get some dives in. So somebody somewhere in the Mud Club, I guarantee, will be doing a dive this weekend, unless we just have absolutely crazy weather.
1: We'll still be diving someplace.
0: Yep. Uh, Let's see. Also, uh, if you've been out to the website, go ahead and head out to the scubaobsessed.com website. Go up to – gosh, I can't remember the the, – I'm going to have to follow my own instructions. Uh, Click on the About. Go down to the item that says Scuba Obsessed Fans, and we have a map there. So what we're telling you is how you can – support scuba obsessed being a fan and one of the ways is putting your push pin in the scuba obsessed fan map uh, only provide as much information as you want other people to have so you can use nicknames you know as long as it's not spammy what what your nickname is or we're going to approve it but you go there put in the pin, and you can see all the scuba obsessed fans we have throughout the world uh the starting slowly we have more fans in this but uh my goal uh, I kind of got the idea from your, your daughter, Mac, of what she was doing. I would like to have somebody in every state of the U.S. and every country of the world at a minimum on that map. So uh, we've got a good start just after a few days of having the map up. We've got Egypt, Spain, U.K., Australia covered. We have the states of California, Michigan, and I want to say one is D.C. or Connecticut somewhere in that area but so go ahead if you're a fan and you listen place your pen on the map I'm approving those about every day maybe every other day if I get busy so if you don't see it right away don't panic or worry I'll I'll get back to approving it and we'll get that map growing Uh, also we're going to be adding probably here in the next week or so the scuba obsessed newsletter I've been a little reluctant on doing a newsletter because it's a lot of work to keep those up but uh, you guys deserve it, so we'll go ahead and do a newsletter. Uh, we'll also, by being a, a member of the newsletter, I do this show prep about an hour before the show. So what you'll get to do is you get to see the news articles before we do the show if you want to follow along. So newsletter subscribers, so watch for that. We'll post that in the Twitter stream, Facebook. Our Facebook website is www.facebook.com forward slash obsessed. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter on the Scuba Obsessed Handle, and I also you can follow me, Darren Jilson, D-A-R-R-I-N-J-I-L-L-S-O-N on the Twitter. And uh, also we'd love to have those four star reviews. So if you want to go ahead and leave us a four star review, you can do that as well. And let's see. I think that we're we're getting close to the end. Uh, do, do you have anything else you want to cover, Mac?
1: No, that's Pretty
0: comprehensive tonight, right? Yeah, we, we we did a good dent. Appreciate everybody who's in the chat room. We had Rich there for a while. We had Craig, uh, Ted, Shipwreck, Mike, uh, came on in. So if you're not listening live, come on, uh, in and come on inside. I know in the summer weather, it's a little bit hard, especially uh, when it stays light later. So I'll mark that up to part of the reason we have a a light chat room. Also, we'll have Claire should be coming back on the show. I kind of expect her this week. We'll. We'll give her some grief as well. Jim will be back at some point in time. Don't lose faith. And we're also going to have uh, some guests on. I have one lined up for a couple weeks from now. As we get closer, we'll go ahead and announce who that is and I'll be sending out some more emails. Work's been crazy, but uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and still keep doing the show. We, we said we're going to make it to at least episode 200, so we're going to keep going. If you have any ideas, anybody you'd like to see, go ahead and drop us an email at the show at scubaobsessed.com, so I said at the show, it's the show at scubaobsessed.com, and we're at that point of the show, we're to, we're to the bad scuba joke of the week, you ready, Mac?
1: Oh, I'm, I'm right here, got my chair, seatbelt on, I'm good.
0: You're all strapped in.
1: Oh, big time.
0: Big time, great, so here we go. John Smith, a scuba diver, lived in Staten Island, New York, and he worked in Manhattan. He had to take the ferry boat home every night. One evening, he got down to the ferry and found that his weight was going to be quite a bit for the next boat. So John decided he was going to stop by the nearby tavern. Before long, he was feeling no pain. When he got back, the ferry boat was just eight feet from the dock. Smith, afraid he was going to miss this one and being late for dinner, took a running leap and landed right on the deck of the boat. How do you like that jump, buddy? He said proudly to the deckhand. It was great, said the sailor, but why didn't you wait? We were just pulling in.
1: (laughs) Okie dokie.
0: For those of you listening live, it's amazing what editing will do to that slaughtering of a bad joke. (laughs) So, uh, for myself, Jim, Claire, and Mac, go out there and get wet.
1: And be safe. See
0: everybody next week.